Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Red and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. This is but one of the many arrows in the quiver of the digital arsenal within the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River. And this is your exploration of faith. I am joined, as always, by the rector of our parish, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing? Good afternoon, Lindsay. Uh, through the grace of God, doing very well. I'm trying to make um, adjustments to the new weather patterns we are experiencing. A little bit of the cold in the air. Um, mm. But other than that, God has been gracious to us throughout this week. It's been a good, good week for us and a busy week. And um, we had a lot of focus on the maintenance aspect of the church. We just did vestry on Thursday as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and next week I'm, I'm be, I'll be away for a whole week for uh, on, on the Ossesen extended chapter meeting with Bishop and my other colleagues. So, um, yeah, I'm caught between two. I was caught, I'm caught between two busyness here, but uh, we're all well as a family. Thank you and trust you are well. As I said early on, you look like you're in a different space. This weekend, <laughs> yes, we we have a sort of a breakaway um, along the the east coast, southern coast. We're out in Witzan, so at the mouth of the the Breda River, which is always a good time. We wake up to the crashing of the waves and can see the ocean. I'm looking at the ocean right now. Um, it's a great space. But this week, which is the fourth Sunday in Lent, uh, it's actually racing by. Um, the theme you yeah. extracted from the collect is. God of judgment in mercy, soften our hearts with the warmth of your love. Um, Father, would you please unpack why you, what spoke to you in that specific line um, and then call us together with the words of the collective prayer? I think the, the first um, words that struck me was soften our hearts. And I was sort of thinking about what about the heart condition is it that it is hard and stubborn and um, and also defensive and also aggressive that we need to petition God to help us to 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 help us with uh, making our hearts more vulnerable, more um, cooperative, more open. Um, and, and we realize from the reading of the texts to, to this then four texts that God does this in judgment and mercy with love. Hmm. But then the thing God, God missed, not just about softening our hearts, but the real challenge was that we may know your son alive in us. And that was where the question stood up for me. Why is it so imperative that we must know Jesus alive in us? And that was that's the question for me um, of of um, of the whole theme that I chose of. But it started with with my condition. What is my heart like? The need for change. Who can change it? To what must it change? Mm. So good good morning, all my friends. When you listen to this, it will be Sunday. Um, I'm, I'm glad you tuned in. Let me greet you in these words. The Lord who hears our prayers is with you. And as Lindsay had, I unpacked the um, theme. One of the hymns we sing in relation to this theme is God of grace, God of of glory, go and look it up in your hymn books. That's uh, um, Common Praise four four eight, or on the on the internet. And so we pray the collect for purity, which will be on the podcast, and pray it. Uh, the collect for the day, I mean, and and it's on the podcast. Please pray it with me. God of judgment, you reach out to us in mercy, even when we rebel. Soften our hearts with the warmth of your love, that we will know your Son alive in us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Our first reading is 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. But I want to pull you down to verse 8, which says, For by grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that none may boast. So um, there's also this idea, because uh, the gospel is the famous one, it's John 3, verses 14 to 21, which obviously contains verse, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe in him or those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So before we started recording, you were talking about the idea that we get an image of God imprinted on us when we are quite young. And usually it's the judgmental God. How do we unlock for more people the idea of a loving God um, without the conditions of judgment first, judgment and mercy. Because with mercy, whenever we praise God for being merciful, there is in that equation the fact that he's vengeful um, and then shows mercy whenever we transgress. How, how do we move people? How did you move from the idea of a judgmental God into the idea of a loving God? So um, this question seems to be more about also uh, my own uh, testimony of my own kind of journey in, in terms of spiritual, my spiritual journey and my call on vacation, because at the end of the day, my call on vacation is to point people to God. Um, in other words, how do I reveal God to people through the teachings of scripture? So what kind of God he is, and um, and also that I am called as a priest to bring the people to God, as Aaron did, on the shield uh, that he held as as the as, as as the priest for the priesthood in the in the in the Hebrew context. Um, and of course, uh, I think it's important for us to realize this is a journey. Let me start by saying we. In the Christian life was imperative. We would learn that God is our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. So the our Father was the structure of our theology. It was the starting point that introduced us to God, as it were. And of course, we weren't we weren't taught by saying now sit. Still, and let me tell you what the Our Father is about. We were taught by route. Uh, our parents would pray and we would see prayer. And, and a prayer related, God related to our food, God provides us. So there's a God who provides us. And our meals are were well done and we, we loved it. Um, uh, we were also introduced to Jesus through the prayer um, of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look mm. upon a little child. Mm. You know, so and even in that prayer, uh, uh, if I should die before I wake. Um, so even as a child, I was introduced to how does God deal with death? How uh, how do I commend myself to God? But of course, all of these things is that in hindsight, I look back and reflect and I say that is probably the starting points for me. Mm. Uh, but of course, we, we live uh, with family members who who uh, are from different denominations. And the the impression, I wasn't aware of this at first, but for example, in one of the churches I grew up in, 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 in Cape Town, St. Mark's, where we had a so-called white priest from England, never got the impression that God was a God who beats people up. But John the Costa, I didn't know it then on hindsight too, um, was a very dynamic person, mm. but his congregants loved him, even though he would 
break up the dice games of the of the of of those caught up in that way of life, mm. uh, trying mm. to bring a measure of morality to society. Then we we were influenced also in, into the thinking of uh, people who are very conservative in their reading of scripture. And I was sort of introduced there to in my in my teenage years about 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 this God, not necessarily as the God of love, but often the God of that I must fear so much because it's the God of judgment. And as I said early on to you, I imagined that our lives were a circle in which we were the cent we were placed in the center and it's fine for us to explore the cent the circle on the inside but should we just put our foot on the outside outside then we'd experience this the adverse judgment of god and what image of judgment was for me was a, a rock hold held over the size of the circle and i was being watched all the time there was no real relationship it was like being watched all the time. So my way of relating to God was one of fear and restriction. That image irritated me so much that I blurted out a negative about it. And when I shared this with a priest, he told me, don't, don't forget, no matter what happened to you, God will never stop loving you. And as I processed this, I realized how as a young man uh, who was told on his way to a prayer meeting, because he wasn't wearing a tie, this would upset God, because God wanted um, me to wear a tie as a male to prayer meetings. Uh, mm. but, well, there was no celebration mm. that I was 12 years old on a weekend was going to a prayer meeting. It was how I get to that prayer meeting is to satisfy God, I must wear a tie. To appease God, I must wear a tie. And mm. as I processed mm. this, I realized how easy it is to place a kind of an image of God into people's minds that's actually false from the God of the mm -hmm. Bible. Um, and and, and, and uh, if, you, if you listen to conservative Christianity, even in the Anglican church, it was, it was hell and fire and brimstone and hellfire. Yes. Uh, that yes. was the measure of the cause. That kind of, of God suited the apartheid government. Because you could keep the children, the people of color, into believing that their judgment on earth was to be slaves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think that worked well with colonialism as well, because it kept in 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 place the local peoples that they sought to conquer. We didn't say, but why is your God such a conquering God that beats people up, takes off their land? just steals everything. We never questioned it because of our fears. But this was also right there in the sanctuary because it was being preached from the pulpits and celebrated. I mean, I don't know what kind of images people must have had about the about communion and so on with that image of God hanging around. And um, as I continued to journey, and it, 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 it broke me. It broke me adversely because, you know, I realized once I said that negative about God that actually at the bottom of that negative was my sincere wish to connect with God on a loving basis. That the heart's desire was to know God, even though he can be known, yet he is the unknown. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and until I began to sort of read um, the kind of things, I mean, I mean, it's even right now, that image of judgment still lingers around. In my own ministry, I, I think of how fearful people are to ask priests things. Mm. I came to, to, the, to this parish and the sanctuary. The sanctuary was a no-go area for any person who was not a lay minister, server, and or a priest. They were told to wait on the other side in my image. And I reject that. When people mm. come and want to say something, I call them into the sanctuary because I believe in a God who, yes, a God who is angry when we sin, but a God who wants to first and foremost be the God of love. How do I become the vehicle of that love in my actions, in my words, in me creating an environment as a priest in the church where people would be accepted and in that acceptability they can then for themselves discern that they must change their lives 
as the as as the colleague says, to ask God to soften them, to transform and convert them, so that Jesus can become alive within them. So, so I think we have a huge task. Even my own journey with God, I am. I'm. I'm my argument is. How do I project? How am I meant to project the good news of God through the way that I am? How has the gospels, the power of Jesus in the gospels, transformed me, my mind, in my reading here? Am I going to be one that speaks, um, preaches hellfire and brimstone? Um, and I just want to conclude my my response to you is that one day, in another in another parish, I kept. In my conversations with my colleagues, hearing how, and just in these words, your sondag, it is a tell van die preeks to love. And I reflected on this and I said, what is this all about? And then I, as I reflected on it, but I don't even know what goes on in the rest of their lives day by day. And I'm assuming when they come to worship and thank God, until I said, I need to go and experience some of the things that they are experiencing. Mm-hmm. So I decided I was going to drive in a taxi, which at that stage I thought was the worst of the worst, um, a taxi experience. And I sat and wondered at this world into which I got into, with ladies needing to rush to work, with taxi drivers, the mindset of, I don't care whether my people are safe, as long as I get the money and reach this, get enough passengers in. And one mm. such trip, the radio was boom, booming, booming loud. And right from the back was this um, uh, senior lady in a very gentle way said to the driver, Can you know the music? Mm. And he complied with this request. And I experienced the power of women and mothers in that moment. But what I realized was if I go to the pulpit next, I dare not say, That experience changed in the way that I thought preaching should. Not that I was, was, was celebrating that I told him from the pulpit. Because I, I could never abuse the pulpit for those means. But it just made me more awake to be careful what you think you can say from here. Now you, you use and manipulate the scriptures because it's able for Allah mm. and, and that, And so I'm very conscious of how do I reflect? How am I supposed to reflect God in my, my encounter with my brothers and sisters, um, and I'm very aware when I walk into the to the to the supermarkets or to the malls, I look out for people who are mopping and cleaning. I deliberately mm-hmm. pass them to say hello to them, to acknowledge yes. them. Sometimes yes. go on and say thank you for what you are doing. The guy in the toilet, for example, thank you for what you are doing. Um, and I and they said su- they surprised. Number one that they even acknowledged mm. you know and so and so that has uh, that is the kind of thing that I ask myself the question there's never a moment when we're not having to be the reflection of Jesus to others and they to us how aware are we this in our day to day lives wherever we may be even in our homes particularly Mm. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like I always try and be the person that I believe I am, <laughs> or at least tell other people that I am all the time. So it's always about like the cashier as they're ringing up your groceries, like have a conversation with them because they've probably had a long yes. day. Um, yes. And I, I see it as kind of rubbed off on my son as well. Although he is also five, so he tries to <laughs> greet everybody. So I, I like that you you drew attention to the fact that that judgmental God idea has given a lot of people like some cloud cover to do some dirty things. So the moment you start identifying with a judgmental God, you automatically form in your mind a few 
potential judgments that this being would make. And that's like where homophobia comes in. That's like where a lot of the harmful practices amongst humans that creates more distance than it does help in any way at all. Um, that it's rooted in that idea of like the God that I believe in does not condone that. Like that is a trespass, that is a sin. So it's like, where do you draw the line on a sin? Like uh, Paul speaks a lot here about, like he opens up this, this chapter with, you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. So, like, who ultimately decides what is sin? When you go to the prayer book in the introduction to Confessions and Absolutions, we, as an Anglicans in that prayer book, gives a kind of understanding that sin is disobedience against God and a destruction of our relationship with God, ourselves, the world, and, and, and others. Um, so if sin, sin is the distortion of the truth, mm. um, it, is, it is, and I was dealing with this in this week where I read constantly about how the world needs to be overcome. And I asked, so what is it about the world that it needs to be overcome? Uh, what is it about the world that they, it cannot give us peace? Um, and so the comment on that was, the, the world is bound up in self-centered living. The main person, it's the it's the Nietzsche thing. God is dead. Man alone exists. Mm -hmm. So in the world, um, we are we see ourselves as the as the main thing. He goes on to talk about here the passions of our flesh, the desires of flesh and senses, and what is all of that about? Um, so, for example, we have the Ten Commandments. The last six deals with. Honor your, your parents, do not murder, do not steal, do not kill, do not covet, do not lie. Um, these are all things that uh, corrupt the environment of the world, breeds poison into the atmosphere. And where does that come from? Does it come from a heart that is stubborn and hard? In the, in the, in the Old Testament passage that is dealt with um, this week, the people sinned against God and they were bitten by snakes and died. Mm. Um, they ask that so so God's response, it would seem in that story that the the wages of sin, the results of sin is death. So mm. who determines mm. sin? When when you and I were growing up, for example, in your parents' home, in my parents' home, you as a dad and I'm and I as a dad, where where would we say to our children, now you're trying, you're being naughty now. Uh, and if you don't, you're not naughty, punish punishment will come. So obviously we are dealing with personalities, even as, as young as children are, mm. who do things mm. that are destructive to themselves and destructive to, to us, and it damages relationships. So, so where does that come from? Where, 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 was, where was that? Uh, and Paul is saying, let us address this. Because of trespasses and sin, you are dead. Well, what can be done? what has been done how can we correct this how can you be helped because it would seem as if we are just those who will do things that are destructive and 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 and, and create the problems we do you know all our stories on 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 this exploration channel um Lindsay takes us back to the garden of eden doesn't it um mm. where we constantly mm. focus on what was it really that happened there that that saddened God, that made God angry, that caused a disruption in the relationship with him and, and humanity. Um, but God does not let us wallow in, I mean, let me, let me put it in, 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 these, in, these, in these terms. We have this issue of COVID right now. 
vaccines have been produced wealthier countries because of money and maybe the infrastructure have better access to vaccine mm. will you be mm. assisting other countries with vaccines and he said no uh, because i need to ensure that the american people are safe but at the same time he says that not all the american people are wanting to do the vaccine so if you're not helping the others outside of your borders and the virus spreads to its various variants across the globe americans will be at risk again where how do you create the balance mm. so is mr biden operating in self-centeredness around america and the american dream to the exclusion of others when we look at J- jacob zuma for example and we say did this man sin and and fraud and steal and all that kind of things and people are patting him on the back and say now you didn't do anything wrong you were the president you can do what you like so where is sin who determines it and where does it come from is it around the egotistical self which seeks to want to rule the world is it within us that all of this is happened why does the prayer say soften our hearts what is it about the heart condition that makes us want to ask god for help to soften mm. why is it become stubborn and and of course because um be, because of the passions of our, our flesh Paul would say the desires of flesh and sense and then he goes into verse 4 but god it's almost like right at the beginning of the genesis passage in the beginning god but god who is rich in mercy out of great love with whom he loves us and then he tells us the story of redemption the story of creation and um, of salvation the history of salvation begins with god the history of creation begins with god and so on our own what will happen if we left to our own whims and wishes to organize the world as we want to what will be the outcome we reacted rightly so against the injustice of apartheid mm. because it excluded and punished and judged people we are saddened when murders happen gang infested areas we seen on the news two people at one of our local schools are caught because they were stealing security um equipment at a school where does all of that come in um a simple thing would it be would it would it be a sin if you didn't take any notice at the teller at the at, at the person who works the tills and your whole attitude ignored who she is as a person um who's only just doing that for a job or do you then say in your heart of hearts it's wrong to do that this is a sister a fellow human i must acknowledge her presence and by mm. acknowledging her presence her person i'm also honoring the work she's doing to make my life better and so i need to cooperate if there's no sense of cooperation what then is the driving force of that uh, um ignoring her humanity her mm. person so when when i open my heart and say i'm going to change this i'm going to greet the person i'm going to respect her person i'm going to find out how she's doing um not because i want to gain better service but because i'm living in a shared humanity with her and we need one another and we need affirmation from each other because i don't know what's going on in her world she doesn't know what's going on in my world but that connection because the till and the shop and this and brought us all together we can make this a better world and so when you leave that scenario you too have breathed into the air something positive something that lifts the heart that gives hope mm-hmm. now what moved you to do that what in you what what spirituality what form of ethics what power of god did that to make the world a better place because the, there's a fine line between doing what is helpful and doing what is selfish 
Yeah, but so much so like, they, but okay, go on. Uh, much like our laws, um, I believe that like if what somebody else is doing does not harm you, does not impact your life in the grand scheme of things, even in a localized scheme of things, like if a man and a man decide to get married, they are not related to you, they are not, that you don't work with them, you just happen to go to church to the same building on a Sunday, like, or what makes that a sin? It's not harming you. It's not harming the rest of humanity. It's just two people loving each other and trying to spread positivity out of their own situation. Um, so, like you were saying, what in me, like all of that happens with the absence of God, with the absence of the idea of Adam and Eve, of the Garden of Eden. Um, it's just me understanding that other people who live on this planet all were birthed the same way, were formed the same way that I was, all have the same motivations ultimately. They just want acceptance. They just want everything that I feel, all the needs that I have. And I'm talking about emotional needs, physical needs, are shared by every other human who walks this planet. And then you start, when you reduce yourself, like I do, to an animal state where it's like, I am just another creature, then you can start to see the humanity in, in other animals as well. Um, and you, like, I, I still eat meat. I will, I will not give up on that, but I understand it's the transfer of energy from one to another, and that is just how the world has been set up. And it's, it's also this idea of constantly trying to arrive at the seat next to God that I, I have a major problem with. It's the same problem that I have with Elon Musk and all his disciples <laughs> who are looking to Mars as the future, the next frontier, where it's like a lot of Christians are looking to heaven as like the ultimate goal. And it's like, no, it's like you're living right now. Like be a good person now where you are. Like that, it's not going to matter. When you're dead, it doesn't matter. It absolutely doesn't matter. Like there, there might not be anything after death, which is what I believe. So what you do now matters. Like <laughs> they, they, we can't pin our hopes. We, we can't base our faith on this idea that there's something greater. Like the greatness is happening right now. That's, that's like my core belief and that's my core argument that I have with this idea that is being spread through the two um, readings today. Is like, no, there's, there's not anything more. Like just be good now. Like don't be good because you want to get to heaven. <laughs> You know, just yeah. be good to be good. But but our 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 heart's desire. I think that's mm. where, I, where I'm tied up with the Augustan idea. Mm. Lord, you've made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So, what was Augustine teaching the world and teaching the church by? by coming up with that prayer. Um, am I just an, an in the now person? Because right where you are right now started from, from your conception. There was a beginning to who you are now. You're heading to an earthly future based on your, based on where the, your entry into the world through conception, where you were taught many things. Not some things you just discovered now, things that you had to receive, discard, and build up on and become more um, understanding about in order to be who you are right now. So the influence along that journey has shaped you, has mm. formed you. Pers experiences of people in the context of family and whatever communities there were, 
in your a broader identity of who you are because that question is always who really is Lindsay and why is Lindsay the way Lindsay is how does Lindsay think um what does Lindsay do when being with Lindsay what do we experience of him so these questions will always live with us on a day-to-day -day basis and we try to answer them by virtue of our being. We could articulate it, but people would say who you are speaks louder than your words. So the definition, the expression of who you are is all of it. Coming with ongoing influences along our life's journey, shaping and fashioning us. If... Mm. Um, Monique thought you were the perfect husband, she wouldn't have married you. Because how, how could she live with perfection? Mm. She had to live with somebody that is journeying with her, growing, being open to getting to know yourself. Your heart had to be softened as her heart to accommodate each other. To mm. learn to go, and sometimes we do in our marriage experiences harden our hearts because we don't like uh, partners telling us where to get off and where to get on. Mm. And in any given day, how many times did you truly have to say sorry for what you said and what you did? Um, starting with your family, why did you do something for which you had to say sorry for? And why would why would sorry um reunite you to that person based on the on the action of 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 of, of uh, repentance and reconciliation so for me therefore um i look to 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 where, where from where i am i'm saying why am i here and who brought me here and mm -hmm. so i look at my life through the person that helps me do all, all of this, the, the person of Jesus. And Henry Nouwen teaches us that Christian theology is looking at the world through the eyes of God. Not looking through the world through the eyes of humanity. Paul says you're dead in your sin, through sin. As he says that, but he says, but there's a God. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of great love, which he loved us, and even when we were dead through our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So for me, I would find it very impossible to shape my own destiny, to shape my own person, to shape my own mind recognizing that I am who I am because of others. And who are the others? God, my, my parents, the community I grew up in, the school I, I, I was taught at, the marriage and family I entered into, um, the fact that I'm a South African, a citizen of the world, through creation, you know, um, through... Um, the appreciation I have for the meals I eat and what is available for, what's provided for us. And of course, for me, the whole thing that makes the picture even more clearer is the cross, the crucified one. Gives me a, the, the, from that helps me to understand. I mean, I look at the words you raised first, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So that word in the middle says, salvation has happened mm. now going to faith on the right that has to do with me as a human being i'm i'm saved i need salvation because i'm dead through the trespasses and the sins through my passions through my desires um as Paul describes us, you were by nature children of wrath. Mm. Enmity existed within me and without. Who would save me from this? Now, 
the salvation moves forward towards me and how am I to respond to salvation? Faith then deep within me, I've been given the ability to believe as the message is brought to me around the act of salvation. But salvation just is not just an ob object that appeared out of nowhere. Where does the salvation come from? By grace. Who brings this grace about God through Jesus Christ? So the grace tells us about God, how God feels towards me, and how God helped me to become a better me, as you said earlier on in the conversation, because of his saving work in my life. I need to respond to that. Mm. But if I don't respond to the saving work of God in Jesus Christ, what then will save me? Do I need salvation? Or can I get salvation alone? Can I remedy myself? Mm. Now, the words that you react against in terms of where you are, if we're going to the gospel reading, um, you say there's no end. There is there's an end. Once it's the earth is done, then I'm done. It brings in the dimension in verse 16, the, the, the dimension of perishing and of eternal life. Now, those two concepts in your mindset is not really what you would embrace. Why would I, at the end of it all, be, be in a state of perishing? Once mm -hmm. I die, I die, and there's nothing more in your, in your understanding. What I mentioned has Jesus opened up when he comes to tell us, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that anyone who believes in him may not perish. What is God seeing about the world that gives him the understanding that whatever we are doing is on the path towards perishing? He doesn't want us to perish. So what does he do? He invites us to believe in his son so that instead of perishing, we may have everlasting life. So why would I stop? at perishing and not have opened my mind to what is this thing about eternal life? Is there something beyond? Is it possible that there's something beyond what you and I can see at the edge of this world in time? What is God seeing? And must we see it in this way? Mm -hmm. Do I therefore ask, then I ask this question, do you then do what you do in terms of the values of love and justice and all of that, trying to make living here on earth a better time, that there will be no outcome for choosing to do that? But that that also just runs to the edge of time and it ends. I don't know why I see, well, I do know why I see that values such as love and justice are eternal values. They must, if I'm going to use scientific language, they must exist in other dimensions of time. Mm. Because I don't see them, I mean, the, the earth hardly wants to accept them. Because we practice injustices. Mm. It's so important for us in this life. But why do we resist them? In our intercessory prayers, we are constantly highlighting what is happening in this world where victimization is a key thing that we pray about. I mean, even now, for example, Every one of us, even the, the most corrupt people on earth are exposed to COVID-19. Mm. But why would we be some who assume this is a money-making project for them rather than for the good of everybody, even those who can't afford it, that they be given this opportunity, which I believe is a God, a God event which must always be inclusive. So my praying every Sunday and every day is, Lord, 
just drive out the, of our minds this lust for corruption, this passion to benefit myself economically. Mm-hmm. Because if I do this, then the least of my sisters and brothers who can't afford it, who's standing not just in the back side of the queue, but right at the periphery of the world, because so far I pushed them back, may not get an opportunity to have the vaccine. And they could die because of my selfishness. So, so I think that we struggle with values like justice and love because the world just don't want them. Those in power don't want them. Those who are wealthy don't want them. Those who are caught up in, in crime and all of them don't want them. All of, of the, the, the way to keep the poor out of things is a subject we speak about. The way to keep people whom we differ, so we keep them out of it because we can have an argument. Their hair is not straight, the color of the skin is not right, their nose is not in the shape we want it to be. So where does all of that come from that has created this world in which we are being in? And why then is God saying, Paul saying here, but God, rich in mercy, out of great love, which he loved us, sent the Son so that those who believe in him may not perish, either in this life and in the promise of a life eternal. Why has the church taught me over all the years of being in it, in the vestry when I'm preparing, when I, when I concluded leading worship, that our, our, my prayer is, rest eternal grant unto all who have died. Why do I remember them after a, a liturgical service of worship? All who have died. And let your light perpetual shine upon them. I think this is one of those podcasts where it's like we we kind of still going to be walking on the same adjacent paths, but <laughs> parallel paths. I um, mean, continue on our own thinking because it's 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 really like one of those foundational beliefs um, in me, um, and what caused me to reject, like reject is a very very strong term, but to reject um, any idea of me being like a fully committed. Christian, because I can't stand by the idea that we must constantly be living for this greatness that is still to come. Um, but that's me for this week, Father. Um, and yeah, if you could close up your thoughts and then just touch on a few brief uh, points of reflection in the praise of the church. Thank you. I just want to say that um, the that, that is why it's important for me to journey with you as you raise your concerns and where you are around the sacred text that we as as church embrace. How does what the text tell us help us in our um, conversations, daily conversations, where each of us have a different point of departure. Each of us looks at things differently. Does the text help us to have a conversation without saying you are wrong and I'm right? Um, because it's all real. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's who believes in me. What What is your faith come to, to teach you, your journey of faith? And I can't judge you for that. It's simply because it, whilst it has a lot of commonalities, there are also significant differences. But then me, in my um, more liberal-minded uh, approach to life, um, have, have problems with those in the Christian uh, understanding who's, who's more conservative and would read scripture um, literally. Uh, and I just want to, to conclude what I... What I have to say, one day I got into a conversation with a very dear uh, um, family member of mine who's who had, in the conversation because the prophet had said this and whatever um, the scripture had said, God will judge the Indians who are 
who have respect for the cows and don't kill them and, you know, honor them. And I said to him, I don't believe God will judge them simply because they have that idea. Um, and then I went on to say, you know, sometimes in my conversation with you, I say to this person, I'm not so sure you and I believe in the same God. And I was shocked when I said that because, you know, is it possible that I can believe in certain aspects of God that somebody else don't believe in? Mm. And that we can differ hugely. So, Lindsay, thanks very much for the conversation, which I indeed value. This week in our prayers, we say thanks to God who redeems us through his steadfast love. And in our worship, we continue offering up sacrifices of thanksgiving to him. In intercessions, we thank Jesus for revealing the Father's heart to us on the cross and, and that as the church is called to lift high the cross that we will never be ashamed of his message and that God gives grace to God's church to proclaim God's glory. We are thankful that in Jesus our fears are confronted, the secrets of our hearts exposed. And so we ask God to lighten the paths of those to whom we give responsibility of government, that they may honor this role with what is true and right. We ask Jesus to bless all involved in pharmaceutical research, that it may be for benefit of all people, and that we, we, we ask God of our salvation through Jesus who reached out to all who came to him by day and night as we pray for all in need of God's healing. And then we commend to God all who have died to, the, to Jesus who is rich in mercy and on whose grace we alone depend to save us. And we pray that those who died and in today we remember Mr. Cummings, who passed away this afternoon. We continue to pray our COVID prayer. God, who having heard Moses' prayer for the people for healing and directed Moses to make a poisonous snake and to set it up on a pole so that everyone who is bitten will look at it and live, give us courage and hope in this season to keep eyes on Jesus, who was lifted up on the cross of our salvation. My brothers and sisters, thanks for joining us. Receive the blessing and commissioning for this week. Go now in the confidence of God's wonderful works for humanity, of Jesus' readiness to be lifted up on the cross for our salvation, and of the Holy Spirit who assures us of the rich mercy and love of God. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.